Welcome to the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, hosted by veterinarians Dr. Lewis Kirkham and Dr. Robbie Anderton, who'll give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a lighthearted look at the latest animal news, health tips, and other random facts. All names of people and pets have been changed for confidentiality, so if the story sounds familiar, don't flatter yourself. Every owner is just as animal crazy as you are. So sit down, place your furry feathered or scaly best friend on your lap, and it's over to Lewis and Robbie. Hello and welcome listeners to episode 118 of the Two Vets Talk Pets podcast, where too much talking to pets is barely enough. And we, where we are rejoicing in the recent uh, World Health Organization guidelines to state that coronavirus cannot be spread by listening to podcasts. I'm Dr. Robbie Andert, and I'm joined by a man who has just got in, uh, in from the shops after buying his third lot of toilet paper, pasta, flour, egg, soap, and every copy of Australian Woman's Weekly released this year so far. It's Dr. Lewis Kirkham. Lewis, how are you going? Very good, very good, Robbie. Uh, you you seen my shopping list, mate? Uh, the 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 Woman's Weekly is my go-to. Uh, yeah, um, Deb. I know Deb's been trying to get uh, get you off it. She's been trying to get you onto something a little bit more. Uh, yeah, something where you can read the articles a little bit more, something a little bit more intellectual than the Australian Woman's Weekly. But you know, there's because um, I mean, she's. I think she's worried about the sorts of things that they advertise on there. You know, the sort of things that you get from brochures in the in the Woman's Weekly. Oh um, yeah, t- but, uh, tell me more. <laughs> What are we talking here? <laughs> uh, that was a bit. So, that was uh, a bit off off mic talk, wasn't it? That we had earlier. But we are we are back in lockdown, aren't we, in Melbourne? So we won't be doing face to face for for well at least six weeks, I guess. Well, that was the plan. Today was going to be the big, uh, yeah, the big redo. We were going to say, right, yeah, let's do a face to face one again. And then, uh, no, unfortunately, some uh, you know, rather um, amorous security guards were probably doing things that they shouldn't have been with people that were uh, supposed to be in lockdown, and they've gone and spread uh, spread, you know, not the viruses they would normally be spreading in that sort of situation, oh. Lewis, but uh, you know, the good old Rona, you know. Yeah. So we're uh, so we we Victorians have uh, have been been put in lockdown again for the next six weeks. We've copped it, haven't we? So it's uh, it's all uh, it's all changed. We're all uh, schools. Not sure if schools are going to get back. We're uh, you know um, in the clinic for us. We're certainly um, we're temperature testing anywhere. Everyone that's coming in, washing, uh, making them wash their hands. There's some uh, sanitizer and um, and put a mask on. Which uh, that's what my bosses have decided to do this time. Um, I don't know how long that'll last. We seem to have nurses going down with illnesses quite regularly, as we we're talking off off uh, podcast earlier. So. But, um, but you're on holidays at the moment, mate. On holidays, yeah, living at large. I was, both, I was looking forward to having two weeks. Uh, this is my fourth attempt at annual leave um, for <laughs> in the last 12 months. Um, yeah, after having had um, uh, the first time was a vet got, uh, got bitten by a dog and had to have surgery, so I had to oh. come back from holidays for that second time i had a vet leave so then i had to um come back and work from that the third time was the first time we went into lockdown from with uh, with coronavirus and now here we are so i think i've just got to stop trying to take holidays lewis that's the thing i've just got to keep on uh just, just keep uh just stay at the salt mines and and not t- take any time off just take one for the rest of society oh yeah it sounds like your barometer mate that uh that we ask you if we're going to lockdown robbie when's your holidays and we can all plan around that Everyone, I'm just going to try and make sure that I'm doing it at times away from from school time, so that way you yes. still get the kids into school. But I had all, I had all the grand plans of going right. Well, I'm uh, going to try and get a lot done in the backyard, so I have a week off with the kids during the during the school holidays. That'd be great, and then a week afterwards when the kids are back at school, I can try and get some yeah. um, stuff done out in the backyard. 
yeah, now that now the school holidays have been extended for another week. So as it is at the moment, Christina's out walking with one of her friends. Um, the kids are in playing on Minecraft. So if you do pick up any background of like dogs barking, it's because Ruben's found these wolves on Minecraft that start barking and howling. And <laughs> I was looking around the other day going, the hell, Rosie seems like she's getting really upset about something. And then Ruben's gone, no, daddy, it's on, it's on Minecraft. Oh, uh, okay, well, well, at least yeah, my kids, mate, it's all about talk talk at the moment. They're all over. Oh, it. is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just just sent, sending out all their information to the Chinese government so that's, they can that's uh, right. see what's going on. Yep, they know they know their shoe size. They know their uh, their uh, everything. I think you know talk talks onto it, mate. Old talk talk. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're yeah, just a, yeah. it's it's just all about that information gathering, isn't it? You know, information is power. So <laughs> as long as they can, uh, yeah, as long as they're given the, the right information, that's the thing. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, mate, um, so, so, um, what, what's speak, with you? Yeah, go on. So social distancing. Um, so we had a bit of a, an interesting story that Christina was telling me. She was down at the beach the other day walking with one of her friends um, and had Rosie down at the off-lead, um, down at the off-lead beach down here. And um, she saw a lady walking around with a, um, a stick that had measured 1.5 metres on it. So oh, she could be walking around to make sure that, you know, she wasn't, you know, people weren't coming in oh, too no. close. They weren't getting into her, uh, into her zone. Oh, dear. Um, but she's walking around at the off-league dog beach and what do dogs do at off-league dog <laughs> beaches with these sticks, right? The dogs are coming running up to try and investigate this lady waving this big stick around and she's waving going, no, you go away. You're too close to me. Go away, go away. Oh. So she's getting really, really ramped up here trying to sort of, you know, wave this stick around and the dog's going, like, this isn't Rosie, this is some other, you know, but, um, but you know, the dogs are, oh, oh, now she's waving the stick around, waving and she, the dog's jumping, getting all excited. Like, oh man, you know, if you're that worried that you've got to take a stick to try and keep people away from you stay inside oh stay my, inside oh my goodness it's great were the, were the dogs doing that thing where you know you pretend to throw it and they're like looking around going where to go and she's just waving it around still still waving around and they're all like looking around going where's it gone where's the stick go oh because oh, she was waving it in their face so there's a thing yeah. oh, oh you want me to play you want me to play with the stick this would be great you know and i don't think she had anything soft on the end of it there lewis did you know just to make sure she didn't cause any stick injuries if the dog sort of grabbed a hold of the end of it you know maybe she should have thrown the stick into the water and then the dog's could have taken off into the water and then she would have been all right but she mustn't have been listening to the show lewis to realize that you can't catch coronavirus off dogs yeah no no did you give, did you give her a sticker did you say look maybe have a listen well, this is a, a secondhand story, unfortunately. Oh, we, right. I had to pick up from picked up from Christine. Christine does she doesn't carry stickers along with her um, business cards of sourdough mobile vet clinic. She has she, she, she'd actually run out of them. She'd run out of the right. stickers at that stage. Yeah, really? yeah. She'd seen yeah, yeah, she'd seen Clint driving past, so she stuck another couple on the back of his car. <laughs> so so she ran out of them at that stage. I'm sure I gave her three the last time I saw her. I kind of run out already. Come on, they're expensive. <laughs> Well, other than that, yeah, I mean, she's um, she's been using them for trying to sort of um, hold together leaky buckets and things like that. Oh. You know, trying to um, yeah, yeah, a, a dog maybe maybe she's used it like she saw a dog that got uh, hurt down at the off-lead dog park, and she needed something to cover it up first aid style, Lewis. And so she's used one of our stickers to to bundle it around the uh, as a as a first aid thing. Fantastic, fantastic! Aren't they sterile enough that if we do need to do that, could we uh, could could we try and use our stickers as a as a way of doing that, like as a sterile bandage? Maybe, but maybe they're they're toxic. Like uh, when George's uh, when George's wife uh, on Seinfeld was licking all the envelopes for the wedding invitations and died. Remember that? Do you remember? Do you remember that? Seinfeld? I do. Yeah. Do, do, do we do we need to um, tell our younger listeners what Seinfeld is? Because there might be people that um, weren't actually watching TV back in the late nineties nah, because mate, they may they, not have been alive. 
they're all on talk talk right now, mate. They're not, they're not listening to us. They're all, they're all talk talking. Yeah, talk talking away. I think pretty sure that's what it's called, talk talk. But yeah, so they, something like that. Yeah, something like that. They, they're, they're, they're all on a, that. They're not listening to us. It's the same thing us. as what they drive. The, the, the talk talk um, uh, app. That's the one that you know you get around in when you're in Thailand and Cambodia and things like that. The talk talks aren't they? Yeah. You catch a talk talk. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right. You're spot on, mate. Yeah, we're, we're on to yeah, it. I thought. I thought so. I thought so. Um, now, another question I wanted to ask you. Now, I'm not sure um, how uh, relevant this is. Uh, your your information is going to be on this, Lewis. But we um, we did actually manage to sneak away for a couple of days. We went down to Christina's mum and dad's down in Inverloch back when people in Melbourne weren't you know weren't, weren't infectious and the Rona wasn't wasn't uh, stopping us from going and uh, and visiting. Um, but when we're down there, you know, cause Rosie does six poos a day, you have to run around and try and pick up her dog poo from around the, from around the yards. Now, strange things go through my head sometimes, Lewis, and this particular time I was looking going, what's worse? You know, what feels worse? Does it feel worse picking up a warm dog poo because you go, oh, hang on, this is warm to just come down to my dog's bum. Or is it worse picking up a cold dog poo where you're just picking up this thing that's just, you know, it's frosty and, and just, you know, just so, you know, I'm trying to work out, is there a good option here, Lewis? You know, like what are your takes on it? But given that you're not a dog owner, you know, can you sort of elucid any, uh, you know, any, any, uh, you know, guidance? Well, firstly, welcome to our listeners that are currently eating at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know, mate. I reckon I oh, surely got a cold one. You can just imagine it's just a just a rock, or you know, don't really. Pretty, whereas the warm, pretty squishy rock. Yeah, well, yeah, but the warm. Surely the the temperature does give it a bit of extra ickiness. Surely. Yeah, I I don't know whether or not you know you um you know is when you're multiplying something by poo, does it matter what, you know, what it comes out as, you know, is one multiplied by poo still equal poo or 10 multiplied by poo still equal poo. It doesn't matter. It's still just poo, but you know, I was just, when I was picking up, yeah, when I was picking up, just going, yeah, this is just really ordinary. You know, this is really, really ordinary. Anyway, I just thought I'd get you, uh, maybe if any of our, um, any of our (laughs) listeners out there have got any, uh, you know, any input on whether they uh, prefer to pick up uh, uh, warm, fresh, fresh out of the oven, Dog poo or why cold dog poo? Why don't you do a little poll, mate? Let's put a poll on the Tok Tok and see what see what the listeners think. Come, come up with a little cold, a, a cold dog poo dance on Tok Tok. Yeah, Tok Tok. And which one do you like? The the warm? Yeah, do do. A, can you do a poll on Tok Tok or Instagram? One of those. Instabook. A steamer or a frosty? In, yeah, it's right. Instabook. Do a poll. I'm not sure one of those. Anyway, good stuff. All right. Yeah. Now we need Speaking think, of polls, you know th- you know what? Um, yeah. <laughs> We need to thank our sponsors. I think we need to move on. Big thank you Excellent. to Zilkeen. Big, big supporters of the podcast. Uh, the mild anxiety lowering me- medication. Great for, oh, we've got a few things today. I think a couple of questions where I think Zilkeen might be a very helpful, um, uh, helpful for those mild anxiety um, sort of issues that are going on. Um, yes. It's palatable. You can just sprinkle on the phone. You can get it over the counter at the vet clinic. Um, so yep. come on down. If you, if you think your pet's uh, got some anxiety issues, maybe your cat's not happy with you being in lockdown again, go and put them on some Zilkeen. Might help them out. 
Yes, yeah, yeah, it's a good idea because there's dog and cat versions of it, um, big and small. So, so go in and have a talk to the to your vet if uh, they think that might be a good option for you for your pet. Um, and uh, and maybe while you're there, have a talk to them about Delicate Care, the uh, the great uh, Australian made Australian owned diet um, that's uh, got all sorts of uh, all sorts of great versions. In the dog, there's a there's a dental, there's skin and stomach, which is a, a novel protein diet with uh, kangaroo and duck. Uh, there's mobility support, there's weight management, there's uh, dental treats. Um, the cats wow. have got the skin and sensitive stomach, so it's a great option for cats for trying to uh, trying to help out with an elimination diet. So uh, yeah, great options there. The delicate care. So if you want, like to uh, uh, like to check that out, uh, you know, available from vet clinics. Really, really good food. Good stuff. And we are hoping to interview the prof next week, aren't we? All going to plan with the, the Rona and your work and yes. my work. Um, so if you have got any questions about, he's the mastermind between the Australia uh, behind the Australian made delicate care range. So if you have got any questions on nutrition or on the delicate care food or anything at all, maybe you want to know if, um, if raw foods are the go or not, what should, what do you think about raw foods? The prof how will answer grains? Yes, grains. Yeah, grains. Yes. The prof Grains, will yay or nay. The prof will answer all your questions there for you. And also, big thank you to our Patreon supporters. We've got a couple of questions from Patreon supporters this week. So if you want to ask us a question and you're a Patreon supporter, you will get uh, priority, um, certainly. And uh, for as little as two bucks a month, we do appreciate your support, particularly everyone during these difficult times. Um, you know, certainly uh, Rob and myself do appreciate that little bit that uh, just uh, just keeps us knowing that we're validated by all your listeners out there. Yeah, we know it's tough out there. So, you know, if you, if you can find uh, $2 a month to, um, to help us keep the lights on, that's great. If not, um, leave us a nice comment, you know, uh, refer us on to a couple of your friends. Uh, yep. That would be, uh, give us a five-star review on iTunes, yep. anything like that. That'd be great. Like, like Robbie's dance on Tok Tok, whatever, any of those, his poo dance, any of those. Anything fantastic. like that. Yeah. The, the, yep. Oh, I've just had to pick up a cold one, you know. <laughs> Alrighty, mate. Now we're betting on some news. Got what do you got this week for us? So a follow-on story from uh, from last week. We yes. were talking about um, Ehrlichia in dogs. Um, this is uh, this is hot off the presses, Lewis. Um, the, uh, on the ABC's Northern Territory Country Hour. This has only been posted two hours ago. So when I say hot, this is this is a this is steaming off the off the presses. Um, so uh, they're talking about. Um, uh, so this is by uh, John Daly and Courtney Fowler. Flawed testing of important uh, flawed testing of imported pets could be behind potentially deadly dog disease outbreak. So uh, they're saying here that animal health authorities have believed botched testing of imported pet dogs could be behind the recently discovered outbreak of an exotic and potentially deadly dog disease in Northern Australia that we spoke about last week being the tick-borne disease Ehrlichiosis was first detected in Australia in May in Western Australia's Kimberley region, sparking an investigation to how it got into Australia. Australia's Chief Veterinary Officer, your mate Mark Ship, uh, said Ehrlichiosis, I'm not sure if he answered this on on via a tweet or anything, mate. They might have actually picked up the phone. They might have the the hotline to get on to to Mark Ship. Right. Dr. Mark Ship said Ehrlichiosis had likely circulated undetected in Northern Australia for many months or years, but the exact timing of the introduction was unknown. It must have come in on a dog that was imported into Australia, he said. Wow. Imported dogs, 
Yeah. And so this is the part that I thought was very interesting. Imported pet dogs are not required to be tested for the exotic tick-borne disease in Australia, provided they have been cleared by testing in their country of origin. However, right. Dr. Ship said the system was not foolproof. The testing is not 100% reliable. And we know we've had situations where dogs have tested negative and after being imported, they've been found to be infected like that dog that I saw. Yeah, you had a case like that, didn't you? Exactly. Exactly. So, so he doesn't think it's from the um from the uh the the rhinestone tick. What was the tick? It was nice. The rhinocephalus cake. Wasn't the rhinestone tick? No, the lone star tick. What was oh, it? The lone star tick. Yes, yeah. that we had. Um, anyway, go on. Um so, yeah, so um, potential loophole in testing system. Melbourne woman Michelle LaRuccia made formal complaints about flawed overseas tests for imported pet dogs five years ago, but said nothing was done. Wow. Ms. LaRuccia raised the alarm about inaccurate test results in 2015 after her dog Ollie tested negative for the disease in Europe, but positive in Australia. What? Hang, hang on, Ollie... hang on. Is this is this Ollie that went to the, uh, the Waverley Animal Hospital in 2015? Yeah. Is this... I did have to. I did have to sit back and have a think, but no, no, it was a different dog. So, um, quick, quick so, search of the database. No, it wasn't. Check the Teledex. No, um, uh, Ollie was only tested once he arrived in Australia because his tick treatment had lapsed by one day. It wasn't a slightly different result. It was negative in Europe, all the way up to critically positive results in Australia. She said. Um, after his positive test, Ollie was deported back to Europe, beginning an 18-month ordeal involving travel to several countries um, to be properly tested and Ollie's recovery um, from the bacterial disease. Wow. Um, Ms. LaRuccia said she made formal complaints to the Department of Agriculture and Commonwealth Ombudsman, but has yet to receive a response. If it's been five years in the waiting, Michelle, I wouldn't be holding your breath. <laughs> I, um, I, I tried tweeting Mark Ship. I reckon he's pretty quick on the... He's he's quick on the response. Not to drop him in there, but but actually, does she know about Twitter? Does she know she's yeah. Maybe she's still busy on the Tok Tok. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she, maybe she she tried getting a hold of him on the Tok Tok. He's very busy man on the Tok Tok. Is Doctor Mark Chip really um, likes a dance? Does he? Well, well, potentially. Yeah, well, who doesn't like a dance, Lewis? Um, in a statement, a spokesman for the Department of Agriculture said there was no international standard for testing procedures of ehrlichiosis. Australia only accepts laboratory test results for dogs being imported if they have been conducted in an approved country and by a laboratory which is recognised by the government of the country of export. So that's pretty. Um, uh, and in you know, Ollie was finally able to come to Australia in in 2017. So, but that's right. been thousands and thousands of dollars getting that poor dog blood tested all around the world, trying to get him home. Well, I thought so, I'd heard that, um, um, that to try and get the Ilicia titers down low enough, um, it's, uh, it's almost impossible that once they've got it. So that's interesting that she's actually managed to bring the dog back in because I certainly had heard that if, yeah, if you've, you've tested positive on a blood test for Ilicia, that, um, that even despite treatment and supposedly ridding yourself of ridding the dog of the bacteria, you still never get low enough on the titers. So that's very interesting. Well, I guess whether or not they were, um, and again, this is, this is probably something that we should research before we talk about it, you know, um, but whether or not they, um, even if you do have the titers to show that you've been exposed to it, whether or not then a PCR um, to say that you don't have, 
the um, the the organism circulating around, but I think it lives in in tissue, so it's going to be pretty. Yeah, it could be pretty hard to try and clear out. I'm so. pretty sure, certain it's titers that you need to get in the country, so levels of antibodies in the system, and, right. and you never quite get it low enough. So that's probably why she's taken so long to get back in. But uh, I thought that uh, there was a discussion recently about it, and that yeah, it's once you've got it, you're really struggling to get the titers low enough, even with treatment, to get into Australia. So. So these must be negative dogs that, yeah, they've, they've yeah, somehow they've converted once they've come to Australia. And then I'm surprised it then went deported back overseas. That's incredible. So it must have got a while yeah. in quarantine here and then, and then got shipped back again. Amazing. Yeah. So, so I guess that's um, an interesting point that you make there is that, you know, if the, because if you're testing for antibodies, if there's a problem that's with the, that happens with the test, well, then it's not going to find the antibodies. The antibodies aren't going to suddenly come up you know, in that short period of time, you wouldn't have thought, um, you know, it'd be pretty hard to pick up a tick with a tick-borne disease while you're being shipped over on, you know, on an aeroplane. But um, so if it, if it is that the, some of the test results that you're getting from other countries aren't any good, what else is out there? What else is out there? That, cause I would have thought that they would have been testing these animals for this when they came into Australia as well. Well, like actually when they land, yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I think I think yeah, certainly it's pretty strict. I mean, there's certain countries that you just cannot bring a dog back to Australia from. I think because we don't trust their testing regimes. I think. Um, yeah. Right. So, but yeah, you just, I guess you're relying a little bit on the on the validity of the tests that are done overseas. Oh, incredible. Yes. Well, let's wait and see see what see what develops with that story. Yes. Maybe we should get ship on Twitter and see what he says. Sorry, should she get what? Mark Are we ship. talking about this? Oh, okay. Yeah, I thought oh. I was talking about the steamers again. A cold, cold, cold mark ship or a hot mark ship? Which? <laughs> Very good. Now I've got an article from uh, I think it's from the the uh, might have been from the Herald Sun or maybe from the uh, might have been the Herald Sun. I think it's uh, yep. it says uh, Fatso's family horrified by vicious wombat attack. Wow. Now. A family of animal lovers who reared wombats to star in legendary TV series, A Country Practice, yes. has been left... Frank Gilroy? Right. Has been left devastated and bleeding after a horrifying wombat attack. Oh, no. So for those who don't know, Ta-da. A Country Practice is a well is a well-loved TV, Australian TV drama series, ran for many years and, and often featured yep. a wombat called Fatso. Uh, and side, side note, interesting story. Um, the guy who played um, who played Frank Gilroy, the um, I can't uh, uh, Brian Denzel, uh, he used to be a client at our clinic. Oh, very good. Did he often? Did he have many injuries? Was he? He was okay. Wasn't Fatso didn't attack him. I think this is this is well past his fatso days. Well, well past oh. Brian, and now 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 Brian's just a, a, a appearing in ads for uh, for men's uh, men's penile health um, uh, issues. Oh right, we had a phone call about one of those. Anyway, we won't go into that. You'd <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> have to be stiff to get that phone call. <laughs> The family was forced to kill the marsupial to protect their great granddaughter. Crikey. Jeanette Ambrose, 78, is recuperating from bite wounds while her daughter, Kim, remains on crutches after breaking her injured ankle and badly hurting a finger during the attack. Crikey. Mrs. Ambrose had spent much of the 1980s rearing wombats to play fatso in a country practice. 
but was to surprised to find one at her family's private wildlife, wildlife sanctuary about 20 kilometres from Dubbo in May. You know what this reeks of, mate? This is the child star gone rogue, I reckon. It's, yes. It's, it's, it's a it's Shirley the, Temple style? or no, it's, um, it's the Macaulay Culkin or the, the Lindsay Lowen of, of, of Wombats. It's come out of the I was going to say Lindsay Lowen. Yes. It's come out. It's gone rogue. It's got, you know, I had too much stardom too early. Corey Feldman. Hey, Corey Feldman. Oh, who's Corey Feldman? Corey Feldman was in, um, he was in uh, um, Goonies. Ah, um, right. No, 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 no. Corey Feldman was in, um, uh, no, no, yeah. Corey Feldman was in, in, in Goonies and, um, uh, and uh, what was the one where they were on the train tracks? Um, um, with, with, Iron um, Man? Yeah, no, 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 no. Um, with Thomas the, the Tank was, Engine? No, it was with is with River Phoenix. River Phoenix. What was oh, the movie? Um, uh, Stand yeah. by me. Right. Ah, oh, very good. Yeah. Uh, great. No. When they found the body. Excellent. Okay. So I think I think it's a child starts come out of the out. woods, come out to attack. <laughs> Lindsay Lowen yeah. and wombats. As the wombat made its way towards her front door, it suddenly charged at her. Wow. Mrs. Ambrose, 11-year-old great-granddaughter, Nazarena, Nazarena was behind her, right? He looked yep. up and then tried to run straight past me into the place. Oh, he, he's gone for the couch, I reckon. He's going, I'm just going yep, to watch TV. I want to be in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I knew I had to try to hold him or he would get to Nazarena. That was my biggest fear. Right. Bowled, I thought she was going to just throw Nazarena straight at him. <laughs> he bowled me over and I was yelling at her to stay away and call for help. And this wombat just started gouging into my leg. Oh, oh just, just hoeing in. Right. Oh, gouging in there. Gee, but, they, they weren't saying anything about this being some sort of zombie wombat or anything like that. Potentially. Who knows? This is, this is bizarre. Her daughter, Kim, who was on crutches with a broken ankle. Oh, okay. Right. Eh? Ah, hobbled 50 metres after hearing the commotion. The wombat then turned on her. Right. Oh, hang on. Here's a pre-digested ankle that I can get stuck into. <laughs> yeah, already broke nice. it. Easy. Yeah. Oh, Ge it's tender. Gemma's husband, Kodor, Kodor, K-H-O-D-R. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. Sounds yep. like something out of um, Lord of the Rings. And it, so Gemma's husband, Mordor, and neighbor were unable to stop the attacks and had to kill the wombat with an axe. Holy <laughs> shit. Far out. And wombats, are, wombats are fairly dense creatures too. Like that's not going to have been a, that's, yeah. Um, and how's Nazarena's therapy going now? <laughs> was she, what do you think she was watching the axe attack? Oh, gee whiz, yeah. that's horrible. But it's and you know, for, you know for a fact, yeah, a fact that that kid has gone or been read where to little wombat, you know, um, the, the little wombat in the, in the little beanie. What was that one called? The, um, yes, I know. I know. I can see the story. I can yeah, picture it. Yeah, the famous yeah. old Australian, Australian book. She's going to been read that book so many times. And now she's just had to see daddy, you know, just going all, you know, <laughs> you know, walking dead on this, uh, on, on this wombat. Going, going absolutely rogue on this one, but she's probably been shown all the, um, all the uh, 
you know, the, the country practice, this is one we read, you know, little, little wombat yeah. that, that this is fatso number one, this is fatso number yeah. 30, you know, she's been through yeah. them all. She, she's Absolutely. Them all. And then he's, 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 uh, he's fatso number 73 that we had to kill with an axe. Yeah. Lin- Lindsay Lohan, they didn't say anything about the seeing her with um that, that particular wombat, like with any sort of white powder under her nose or anything like that. Well, no. was there, has there been any talk there that there was some sort of pharmacological uh, reasoning for this, uh, a rogue wombat's behavior. You think there might have been an ice pipe in the picture somewhere there, maybe? Possibly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Did the wombat still? I mean, we we know that the wombat had teeth because she was ripping it up, uh, ripping up the um the, the lady's <laughs> leg. So it's not like she's lost all of her teeth from a yeah an ice uh yeah like a, a prolonged use of uh, methamphetamines. But you know, I mean, it might be a potential reason as to why the the wombats just behave so out of character. You think so? We think maybe it was it's going for the Sensodyne. Wanted wanted some of the toothpaste for his sensitive teeth. He was making it for the bathroom. Possibly, possibly, or or it may have been that it was uh, may have had uh, a really bad case of the munchies and saw some uh, some cheesels inside and thought, no, I need those cheesels and I need them right now. It wasn't it was a diary of a wombat? Was that the one with Jackie French nah. and Bruce Bruce Waitley where it's eating the carrots and stuff? I think or Harry or, or, Harry Harry the hairy nose wombat. Did you have that as a kid? Love that book. Uh, the di- 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 Diary of a Wombat. We definitely read that to the kids. Yes, but there was the, but there was the one where um there was with the yeah the little possum in the um little baby oh sorry the little baby wombat that they um that they read in a um in a beanie. That's right. Oh. I'll ask Camille when we have our break, and she'll, yeah. she'll remember. Yeah, ask yeah. her if there's any axes axe murderers in, in that story. As well. <laughs> that, 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 that might well. that might have been in the sequel. Wow, Gee and good whiz. and good if you're listening, boys and girls. It's not a normal yeah. thing that happens with wombats. No, not at all. Not no, at all. They're, they're not normally vicious. But interesting footnote, final paragraph yeah. of the uh, of the article. The National Parks and Wildlife Service will not investigate. No, right. No, wash the hands closed. No, no. Case don't closed. Know about it. We know. Yep. It's all. It's all, There's a. There's a. Uh, it's, this is all fine. Just a rogue wombat that's run out of the forest, baby. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, we won't go into that. But it's run out of the forest, and they've just gone old Ivan Malat on it, and and had to had to kill it. <laughs> That's terrible. That's well, did they that. say anything about the? Did they say anything about trying to um get rid of the body in like a in a um in a bucket of acid or anything like Ooh. that? Like if they're going to go real, you know, real, real, you know, sort of off. Uh, you know, uh, yeah, the, the, yeah, the way that things happen out in country towns, like um Snowden style. Yeah. Ooh, ooh, wombat in the barrel. You reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, moving on. Yeah, um, right. Eh? Well, I mean, that's incredible. I can't believe that the family that have reared all these wombats, uh, full circle, they've come back and they've they've got them back again. They've attacked them. Incredible. Yeah. Amazing. Gee whiz. But moving um, on. Moving on. Um, now, this isn't um, necessarily a, um, a a nice happy story, but it's a it's a it's one that I was when I was searching through stories, I gone. This is really weird, and I've never heard of, of this happening. Um, and so I thought I'd bring it up just for the sake of. Yeah, this is kind of, kind of, kind of weird and odd. So I was looking at, um, unlike Revenge of Fatso, that that's a nice story. Fat, Fatso, yeah, yeah, Fatso's Fatso Revenge. Fatso too. Fatso's yeah. Revenge. <laughs> the the axe um, attack of Fatso. Yeah, go on. This, this one's a not not a nice story. Okay, righto. No, um, so uh, so again, this is from ABC News. Um, uh, Boris Johnson's fiancee Carrie Simmons urges more shops to ban coconut products made from monkey labor. What? Monkey what? labor. <laughs> what? Right. Hang on a second. So, yeah. 
Is it? Is not. What? Okay. So, Bor- um, Prime Minister Boris Johnson's fiance Carrie Simons, um, or Simmons, has welcomed pledges by four British retailers to stop selling coconut products that use monkey labour in their production, and urged others to do the same. Simmons, a conservationist, was responding to a report in the UK Telegraph that highlighted the use of pigtailed macaques taken from the wild in Thailand and used on farms to scurry up trees and harvest coconuts. Oh, the see, report- uh, you had me confused there. I was thinking how. How do the monkeys milk the coconuts? But now, I'm, <laughs> now, now I'm understanding. I was going, I had a picture go. of them all in a line. You just bring the coconut, and <laughs> milk, 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 and like like a, a, a real factory going on. But no, now you go. I understand now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, so so we're not we're not talking here factory factory monkey milking. We're talking <laughs> factory monkey harvesting. Right. Um, so the report cited an investigation by the animal rights organisation PETA in Asia. Um, Glad Waitrose Co-op Boots and Ocado have vowed not to sell products that use monkey labour, while Morrison's has already removed these from the store, Simmons tweeted. She called on all other supermarkets to stop selling these products, which include certain brands of coconut water and coconut milk, and named three major chains. Walmart-owned Asda said it was removing uh, Aroy D and Choco co-branded products from sale while it investigated the reports with its suppliers. We expect our suppliers to uphold the highest production standards at all times and we will not tolerate any form of animal abuse to in our supply chain, it said in a statement. A we, spokeswoman for Sainsbury's said it was actively reviewing its ranges and investigating the issue. So they won't, they won't tolerate any monkey business with them making their coconut milk. Is that what they're saying? No monkey business. No, no. They, 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 they'll be fine for kids to climb up the trees and try and collect the coconuts, yes. but not the monkeys. Child labour, right? that's okay. Get the kids child up there. Child labour's fine. Yeah. Yeah, Peter, Peter don't care about child labour. It's only the monkey labour that Peter are worried about. That so. is incredible yeah. that you can train a monkey to do that. Well, I guess you can train them to do anything, but that's incredible. Wow. Yeah, so um, so there you go, and, and I don't know whether or not the monkeys with time have gone fatso wise and started. Hang on, we're actually going to grab these coconuts off and try and drop them on the heads of the people that we're that that, that are um that are our trainers. Yeah, we're just going to try and aim and go. Hey, hey, Bruce, watch me do this. Yeah, you know, see whether or not they can actually you know take some of their human handlers with them. Well, coming back to the purely behavioural aspect of it, they must be rewarding them in some way for bringing coconuts. So they must be giving peanuts to monkeys to get the coconut stamp from the tree or something like that. There's going to be some form of uh, conditioning there to try and get them used to it. But that's happened a lot with the Victorian security guards, hasn't it, in some respects too. (laughs) That didn't go so well They were handing out things other other than peanuts maybe, you know, maybe. They were paying peanuts. That's part of the problem, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I never knew. No idea. Yes. There you go. Incredible. So, so yeah, mo- monkey labour. So, everyone be careful. Make sure that your coconut milk is not produced from monkey labour. Otherwise, Peter's going to come and send a fatso wombat around to your house. Do, is there a warning on those labels now? Not, 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 you know, this milk was not milked by monkeys or something? We, this yeah, not, not collected by monkey milk. Yeah. Yeah. Is, it, is that something, you know, it's gonna be like this has got no palm oil in it. This is not milked by monkeys. You know, is that, is that something that I've never seen that? I think it's I think it's the it's the logical step forward that yeah. that's that that's what has to happen. We we need to have full t- full transparency here on which coconut milk use monkey labour and which ones don't. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, good good spot on, mate. Good stuff. 
All righty, we move, we move on to the disclaimer, Regan. Absolutely. Uh, let me just pull that up. Uh, where are we here? All advice on this show is general in nature, so please consult your veterinarian before following advice for your pet. Do our best to provide the most up-to-date information as veterinary medicine is continually advancing and changing. Please let us know if we've missed anything or if you need any clarification or if you're trying to work out whether or not your coconut milk is uh, 100% monkey labor-free or if you've got a rabid uh, wombat at your door. If you've got a Lindsay Lohan wombat at your door. All righty. Perfect time. I think we might take a short break and we'll be back in a minute. Hey, Robbie, I'd love to give a shout-out to our friends at PetSure for their awesome free webinar series. Yeah, man, I heard about those. Aren't they called Pause and Learn, as in (laughs) P-A-W-S? I see what you did there. Oh, mate, there's nothing like a good acronym. It got your attention. (laughs) It certainly did, mate. But seriously, the PetSure webinars cover some amazing topics, though. They sure do. There's one on COVID-19 and pets, very topical, and essential viewing for all concerned pet parents in this COVID-19 world. Indeed, mate, and for vets as well. Oh, you're absolutely right. There's also another one called Setting Up Your New Pet for Success. And here's one that's really important, Helping Pets Avoid Separation Anxiety. That'd be right in your wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Oh, mate, love that. Anything on behaviour, that's absolute gold. Oh, mate, it's all gold, gold, gold for PetSure here. And you know they're presented by PetSure's Chief Vet, Dr. Danny Hulhan, friend of the podcast, and also, they have a range of other pet experts for each topic, so you know you're getting the good stuff. Oh, mate, that sounds great. So to learn more about these webinars or to register, visit petsure.com.au slash webinars. Registration is free, but spots are limited, and since we've just registered, two less. So make sure you secure your spot today. Oh, T's and C's apply. Visit petsure.com.au for more information. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, welcome back. Now, this week, I um, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, there's a lot of people getting the what we would call the COVID puppy. Now, oh, yes. Know, I don't know about you, mate, but I reckon that the uh, the COVID puppy is the new toilet paper 2.0. It's, uh, they're, <laughs> they're, they're very hard to get. There's, there's a lot of, you know, the, the shelters are, are running low on dogs. The, the puppies are going up in price. There's five Greyhound adoption program. Uh, um, they're running low on greyhounds. It's uh, yes, it is definitely you know, wombats. To- wombat, wombats are everywhere. <laughs> it's, it's definitely toilet paper two So, but it's interesting when you talk to clients and they have a puppy and you're saying, yeah, you know, you got a puppy. They say, oh, it's, oh this is it, it, it's definitely not a COVID puppy that I've got. We've been planning this for years. Okay, sure. So you're yep. you're the seventh non-COVID puppy that I've seen today. No worries, that's that's all fine. So, so I know, no judgment. Yeah, that's, that's right. We've got to be non-judgmental, haven't we? So I had a a, uh, a owner that brought in uh, a puppy uh, this weekend, and I've actually um, they uh, said, "Oh, look, it, it vomited something up this morning," kind of thing. I was like, "Oh, that doesn't sound so good." It was a little puppy, it was sort of eight weeks old, and they brought me a, an alum something wrapped in some aluminium foil. Oh, they brought you a snack. Well, yeah, I thought they've baked me some little little fudge cookies or nice. something, something yummy, or or possibly that's a that's a diarrhea sample that we've got there, which is something we <laughs> we commonly get. It's either a vomit sample or a diarrhea sample, and it doesn't really Sometimes help us. Sometimes a brownie. 
Yeah. Some, some, sometimes I'll lemon slice. Yes. Yeah. And it's nice to know before you open it, which one you're looking at. Is it food or is it, <laughs> is it something more feces. sticky? Food or feces. Yeah. It's a new game. It's a new, it's a new veterinary game show. What's in the foil? Is it food or feces? <laughs> so in this case, I, I you know, pop, pop gloves on as you do and open it up. And I thought, oh, you know, what do we got here? Uh, it could be vomit. The owner said, all right, vomited up this yep. morning. Open up and there, in, when we opened up, was actually a roundworm. Which oh, it was yeah, food. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which I, I put I put a photo on Instagram. If if uh, if listeners want to go to Instagram and have a look what what I actually got sent in, um, and ho- hopefully the owner's not listening because I did I'm not sure I got consent to to take a photo of their puppy's roundworm to put on 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 Instagram. But but anyway, on Instagram, <laughs> a bit hard for the roundworm to sign a consent form when uh, when they haven't got any. Anyway, that's a long story. And, and so, hands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could dip yeah. it in. You could dip it in ink and then just sort of squirrel it around as it sort of. You know, go. Well, that's it's made a mark. That's close enough. Yeah, good, good idea. So, so it made me think that uh, you know that that uh, I guess worms are something that that we sort of take for granted. Certainly, the vet clinic, uh, as far as when people get puppies, um, mm. but but there are quite a, there are a number of intestinal worms that that. Um, that love living inside dogs' tummies, and and unfortunately, some of these worms can be transferred to, to humans, and and well, including children, I guess, as as mm. well. So, so I thought maybe we could talk a little about, you know, how does a dog get these worms? How does a puppy acquire these worms? And I mean, there are many routes that that dogs can get infections. Um, as far as the roundworm goes, I guess the main one is from generally they they're almost you know, not born with it, but they get it soon after birth and they often get it from nursing an infected mu- mother, um, mm. you know, um, when they're, when they're suck, Trans- suck- yeah, they, they get it, they get it from the milk or it can be transplacental as well. Yeah. Right. Passed across the placenta. Into yeah, the, exactly. Um, so almost pretty well yeah. born with it. So, but also they can get it from drinking contaminated water, uh, from contact with other infected animals, um, contact with other infected animals feces feces um, feces yes. yes back to that again uh from swallowing fleas um that carry an infective stage of tapeworms which we'll talk a little bit mm-hmm. more about in a minute from eating raw meat or or catching you know rats and mice um mm-hmm. that are carrying the the parasite and it was interesting the the owner didn't know what it was and and i've got a few answers on instagram some people are like oh it's a rubber band it does look like a rubber band and you know is, is it a piece of spaghetti no no it's, it's not a piece of spaghetti don't touch it because yeah if you do eat that or or lick that you you will get sick yourself so um how can you how could owners sort of tell if if your puppy has worms and i guess generally we identify them by either seeing a worm that we vomit up or the presence yep. of um uh you know sometimes segments in the feces um but you you don't they often they lay eggs in the feces but the eggs are so small and you can't really see them by the eye generally microscopic exactly so tapeworms and roundworms are two two species that of worms that actually we can see owners can see by the eye and often tapeworms look like small pieces of white rice or, or yellowy rice in the poo um, but sometimes you can also find them around the tail or sticking out the bum. Um, and sometimes they cling to the hair around that area as well. And it can be a reason for your dog scooting their bum or licking their bum or rubbing their bum on, bum on the ground, as well as that, that can be anal glands too. So a little bit confusing mm. as well. But if you're seeing your dog do, do that, 
Yeah, yeah, oh, he's spot on. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but the the round worms, which if you go to Instagram, you can see exactly what one looks like. They look like bits of noodles or spaghetti, mm. or this one looked a bit like a bit of rubber band. Um, and like I saw, puppies can can vomit them up, and and you can also see them see them in the poo as well. Um, the the uh, I'll just go through a few of the more common worms we see. There is a, a hookworm that the dogs can get. So a hookworm actually in, uh, attaches to the lining of, of the dog's intestines, um, and they feed from blood in the intestinal mm. lining. Um, and often you see a bloody diarrhea um, because of that. Puppies can also develop uh, anemia, so they get low yes. numbers of red blood cells because of the bleeding into the intestines. And, and they can get really quite sick from that. So uh, they can be fatal as well if, if not sort of picked up. And they mm. often get that from from in the environment or from other uh, other dogs' feces, that uh, other dogs' infected feces as well. Um, and humans can actually be infected with that one as well. The, the larva, um, if you're walking around in bare feet, I think it's common in, in communities where people walk around in bare feet, which have a lot of um, sort of wild dogs or feral dogs, I suppose, mm. with the communities and they can penetrate their skin and that, that sort of thing. So it's really, really important. One can make people quite sick. Um, roundworm, which was the one I saw. Well. Sorry, mate. Can get, can get it behind their eyes as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah horrible. Ocular visceral migraines. Horrible, horrible. Yep, can migrate all around the body. Um, roundworms, um, is, this is what this puppy had. Often, like you said, they're born with it. Um, often signs we get a diarrhea, vomiting, poor growth, and sometimes they've got a bit of a pot belly on them. You know, Not, not your dad bod kind of pot belly but, but not the dad bod not no. not too many vbs no no, no it's right. not not too much fudge and, and lemon slice <laughs> not not too much uh, feces or fudge game yeah. the game <laughs> well it could be a game you know high high risks high yes. stakes that game yes especially with your eyes shut don't want to be doing that yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um and, and that this dog was similar it was a little bit a little bit underweight maybe been vomiting had a bit of diarrhea um they can so dogs can also be infected by eating, I guess, soil that's got eggs in it, dirty soil, or eating other animals like mice or birds can 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 give them roundworm infections. And again, roundworm is is a very common worm that can be passed on to onto humans, particularly children. So, if you have got a new puppy, uh, basic hand hygiene, you know, washing your hands after patting the dog. Obviously, even if you are worming them, still need basic hygiene will will help prevent a mm. infection. The other one, uh, next one is, is sort of tapeworm that we see quite a bit. They live in the small intestines. Um, they're the ones that can cause the scooting, the irritation around the bottom, and you can find the grains of rice in their feces sometimes. There are two forms of the tapeworm. One is, one is um, you know, a flea tapeworm, um, mm-hmm. and the other one is the hydatid tapeworm, which, which uh, animals that might eat or hunt or you know, eat offal or... Uh, sheep, kangaroo, or feral mm. animals, um, generally on farms, that sort of thing, often get infected with with high data tapeworm. It's also another reason why perhaps we're not a big fan of the raw food sort of stuff. There's a bit of a risk mm. there of, of getting high data tapeworm from, from that sort of thing as well. And tapeworm, if humans catch it, it's quite a serious, quite a serious problem as well. So, so really important um, to to uh, to worm your dog for, for the the tapeworm as well. Yeah, um, and then we've we got whipworms as well, um, which can affect puppies. 
Um, and, uh, and uh, look, I don't know. I haven't diagnosed with them for a while, but, uh, you know, that can make them a bit sick too. So I a mean, bit of diarrhea and diarrhea and they can, can play with their potassium a little bit if they get a really, really bad, uh, really bad infection. But most of the time it's just, yet yeah, um, dehydration fluid imbalance. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, prevention, you know, certainly worming treatments, uh, doesn't prevent infestation with worms. Mm. It only kills the worms that are there. So that's why it's really important to, you know, be deworming regularly. And, uh, um, you know, the mm. usual regime we use for puppies is, you know, every two weeks until it does vary on the products you're using a little bit, but generally it's every two weeks and t- until 12 weeks of age, mm. then month, uh, then monthly until six months. And then usually every sort of three months or so, but it does depend a little bit on the product. So, you know, if you've got any doubt about the worming product they're using, certainly some of the ones you can buy from certain places perhaps aren't as effective as other ones. So good to have a chat to your vet and just make sure that, uh, that if you've got the COVID puppy or, or perhaps if you've got a puppy, but it's not a yes. COVID puppy, it's one that you've yeah. been planning for years and years, you know, and finally happens to come along when we've got COVID. We're not skeptical yeah. at all. At all. Uh, no judgment. That's right. Lewis may judge, but I don't don't judge. I don't judge at all. You're very (laughs) non-judgmental, Robbie. Yes. Non-judgmental. Apart from from killer wombats, I'm very judgmental (laughs) with killer wombats. Very, very firm opinions on killer wombats. And and, and, and monkey labour. Yeah. It's not a fan of monkey labour at all. So so important to do the worming. Uh, Have a chat to your vet. Uh, really, really important. Um, And I guess one thing as well is if you've got the puppy from the breeder, I always say to owners, oh, the breeder says they've wormed it, but I always say, look, I think it's wise for you to do a worm when you get that puppy home yourself. It's not going to hurt if you double up, um, but it is going to hurt if, if someone in the family catches worms. So, yeah. The only thing an extra dose of worming is going to hurt is the worms. It's not going to hurt the dog. So why not give it an extra worming? Exactly. Well, well put, mate. Fantastic. All righty. Awesome. Now, we also got, uh, how are we going for time? We... Uh, Yep, we've got a few minutes. We've got a couple of Can questions. Dip, dip into the mailbag. Yeah, we've got a couple of questions on mailbag, and we will probably uh, – we've got two questions. Hopefully, we'll get onto them both. First one is from our good mate, Claudia. Hey, Claudia. She says, hi, Robbie and Lewis. I still love the podcast, but I would love it even more if it featured Deb a little bit more. Oh, oh well, we'll see, we'll see what we can do for you, Cloud. Wow, Claudia's even dipping into it. Wow. That's fine. I've yes. got very thick skin. Throw in the shade, mate. Throw in the shade. No, <laughs> she's not. No, she's lovely. A friend of mine was saying that her nine-month-old puppy hates the car. I wonder if it's a COVID puppy. Oh. And has done... Nine months it- ago. No, 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 not nine months ago. Well, nine they months might ago have... Pre- that, that was before the bat was eaten. They might have only got it five months ago. Would oh, that be- okay. Ooh. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, has done, oh no, they got it at eight weeks and has done ever since she got it as an eight week old puppy. So it's not a COVID puppy, everyone. Just want to clarify that. She thought she could get it. Hi to all of our listeners that that have just started listening to us because they're looking (laughs) to try and get some information on listening to puppy. Listening about puppies or they're thinking about getting a puppy. You know, we, we, we really welcome you guys. It's great. Welcome to, welcome to the safe place of the two vets talk pets podcast. Welcome. You're welcome at the Waverley Animals. Port Melbourne Vet Clinic, a bit judgmental there. <laughs> very, very judgy inner city, you know, latte sipping. Mask, air on mask wearing, latte mask sipping. Mask wearing, yeah. <laughs> Monkey loving. 
you know, coconut milk mon- loving. Monkey, monkey. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you guys are all, all over your coconut milk there. Especially in the lattes. Love it. <laughs> Brilliant. It's great. <laughs> yes. uh, anyway, back to the question. Uh, she thought, uh, so the eight-week-old puppy hates the car. Sorry, the nine-month-old puppy hates the car. She thought she should get a trainer to help her with this problem. But I wondered if she should first out rule out the possibility the dog gets car sick. Do dogs get car sick? I thought this might be a useful subject for you to address for your listeners. Thank you, Claudia. Thanks, Claudia. Fantastic. Always love to get some mail from you. Um, yes. Firstly, yes. Uh, dogs do get car sick. Absolutely. Um, now, we're not sure really why it is, I suppose, similar to, to, uh, to humans getting car sick. It may be the motion of the car, the movement or the sights. Um, and, or it may, and, or it may be anxiety based. Some dogs get anxious of of traveling the car and we're not sure if that anxiety, there are some dogs I think who, you know, they become car sick and they've been nauseous in the car. Um, and then because of that feeling of feeling nauseous, they start associating the car with feeling nauseous. So they get anxious about traveling in the Mm -hmm. car because they're anxious. They're going to be nauseous. And it becomes a real yeah. cycle, you know, it's, uh, it's just uh, something that goes sort of round and round. So, so there's a little bit of involvement of, of anxiety can often include um, um, sort of actual car sickness as well. So it can be really hard to distinguish between is it true car sickness where we're getting nauseous or is there some anxiety in, in there as well? You could probably look at it as though there's a, like it's a spectrum that, um, you know, down one end, you've got full car sickness due to vestibular um uh the vestibular system the balance system that's getting weird signals from because it's like you know you don't get car sick if you're driving the car because if you're driving the car you lean into the turns but if you're a passenger if as the car's turning to the right well your eyes see that you're going to the right but your body feels like it's moving to the left and it's that discordance that then causes the um causes the the um, the motion sickness because you're getting these differing signals from your eyes to what your inner ear are telling you um so and we humans if we're sitting in the passenger seat we can lean into the turns but it's very difficult to try and tell your dog to do that so um so down one end of the spectrum you've got that um i guess physiological issue and down the other end you've got the behavioral issue the anxiety and the reality is is that the dogs fall somewhere within that spectrum some of them may only be because of the um the vestibular signs some of them may only be from anxiety but a fair few of them are going to have some amount uh, of of both which then makes dealing with it even more difficult well put mate well put it's kind of like the spectrum of uh the Lindsay Lowen spectrum. You know, one end you've got the the parent trap down one end, yes, and then the other end you've got Fatso the wombat. You know, it's, Fatso it's, the wombat, Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. And in between, you know, or the Home Alone yeah, the ax, versus the axe wielding dad. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's right. Exactly. Very well put. So, I guess you know, um, often, and, and I guess it often worsens too because you know, like you said, on that spectrum, you know, over time, um, you know. Um, you know, anxiety gets worse. Some dogs, even when they see the car, then think like, "Oh no, I'm going to vomit." Going to, you know, going to be all worried. Um, as Camille runs in the background there, mate, with a yes. uh, a big roll of uh, big roll of paper towel. Has there been a spillage? Has, has there it been a coconut be, milk? A spillage. Yes, coconut yeah, yeah, yeah. milk oh, incident. No, no, I, th- I think a wombat's just tried coming through the front door, and so there's a bit of a 
bit, a bit of a clean up here in Parkdale. So, oh, yeah. a bit of, bit of. I didn't see running with the axe. So hopefully it's all okay. No, no. Christina got that from outside, but we just don't <laughs> keep the paper towel outside, so we keep that here in the kitchen. Yeah. Very, very nice. So, uh, often there, there's some simple things you can try doing for starters. Is you know, you can put uh, put the dog into a crate or uh, train them if they're small enough to go into a crate to enjoy being in a crate. And then you could put the crate down in the in the footwell of the car. Often keeping the dog low in the car can help. It's probably related to that moving and the swaying that mm. you're talking about and the lack of visual stimulation. So if you train them to go into a crate and then you cover the crate with a, you know, a dark cloth or something and put them down in the footwell of the car, that can help with some dogs or if they're a bit bigger, sort of tying them down on their lead low down in the car. So they have to be, you know, force them down into the footwell. That can sometimes help some dogs for those, those sort of short trips. Um, giving them something enjoyable to do in the car, um, you know, it can be a simple thing you do like a Kong with some peanut butter or something like that. So they're focused on that for a short trip that can help as well. Um, you know, they're not, they're not worrying about what's going on more, more enjoying the trip. She can try a little bit of training herself. Um, and again, using food rewards or the Kong type toy with the peanut butter in it, um, you know, and putting the dog in the car with, without the engine starting, you know, nothing happens. Yeah. Go in the car. Here's the Kong. Have some, maybe play some games in the car or have some treats. Maybe do that once a day for a couple of minutes, um, for a couple of weeks. And then, just get out of the car and go off and do your normal thing. Don't go anywhere. Yeah. Don't take the, the dog anywhere. And then maybe the next couple of weeks you're you get, getting in the car, having some fun treats, the Kong with the peanut butter and then turning the engine on or, or something like that. And then you might, you know, after it seems okay with that, maybe just roll down the driveway with the engine on, you know, or, or just go down the street and back again, something enjoyable. So it's a gradual sort of increasing the stimulus of driving while giving the dog something really enjoyable to do that. That's something that, that can, that can, that can really help. I guess if you're finding that's not help, there are some, some medications that we commonly use really common one for car sickness. If it's specifically just car sickness is, uh, is Serenia Meropitant yep. that we use, but it's very expensive. So it's not the sort of thing that really you want to use. If you just go into the park, pop the dog in the car, uh, you know, five minute trip to the park every day. It's, it's, it gets quite costly doing that. So um, yeah, often- it's, it's more, you're, you're heading down the lake's entrance and you're trying to, uh, you're going to be in the car for hours and you don't want to be cleaning up vomit every, every, you know, yeah, every 20 minutes. Um, that's where the Serenia can work very well. But um, I guess the hard part is, is that if it's, that's still just acting more on that, um, the, the vomiting center within the brain, if there is that anxiety component, then that part, nothing's happening with it. So. Exactly. It doesn't help with that. And I mean, we do sometimes try a little bit of metacoplopramide as well. Sometimes that can mm. help. Some people talk about using Stematol, which yeah, I'm not a big fan. I don't think that helps a lot. Um, so that's something you can try if you think, you know, it is just purely, obviously you need to go to your vet for that and talk to your vet about mm-hmm. it. We're not recommending those medications, but you need to talk to your vet. And then, uh, you know, if we're looking at the anxiety sort of side of things, um, you know, we've got the Zilkine, that, that certainly something easy you can try. You can go and pick that up anywhere. Um, there's an adapter which is a pheromone type uh, type collar which can help sort of keep um, uh, you know or a spray that can keep um, 
keep keep them calm for, for milder issues. Um, and then there are some stronger sort of medications that, or not stronger, but, but more anxiety lowering medications that you need yeah. to, you need to talk to your vet about, you know, your gabapentins, trazodone, alprazolam, clonidine, those sorts of things, which, which can really help specifically with the anxiety component of it. Mm. And a little mention we used to, uh, I think we talked about it last week with thunderstorm phobies and stuff is we used to use a lot of acepromazine or ACP to yeah. sedate animals. And, and I, you know, that doesn't help with the anxiety part of it, but I can still, and it might be a little bit controversial, but if you're going on a long trip and it's the only thing that's going to work for that long trip, like you're going down to lakes entrance, going on a long three or four hour trip, five hour trip in the car. Yes. I think that's fine to use for a one-off sort of scenario, but again, it's not a product that you're really using for that 20 minute trip down to the park or the regular trips. Yeah. Cause it just makes them sedate and, and it, it can scramble their brain and make them more anxious. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a few options there and a great question, Cloudy. Really love those questions. Yes. Thank you. Thank you very much. Now we have got one more question. Do we've got time, mate? Uh, up to you, mate. What time? We, uh, uh, how are we looking? Or we getting, leave it for next week? Getting close to an hour, I think. So maybe, maybe we might hold off to um, to next week. Sort of running a bit short on time. But uh, yeah, for, sure. for, for Rebecca. So thanks, Rebecca Duffy. We have got your question. We'll um, we'll uh, we'll put it into uh, put it into the uh, the podcast gun and, and fire it off next week. What do you think? Sounds good. No problems at all. And um, if anyone's got any questions for um, for the prof for, uh, for next week, so we're going to be hopefully interviewing him next week. So if you've got nutrition questions, like we said at the top of the show, send them into twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. Uh, ask us on Instagram, ask us on Facebook, and we will put them to the prof. So uh, looking forward to having a, uh, having a chat with him and seeing what he's got to say. Excellent. All righty. Good stuff, mate. Alrighty. Well, enjoy your week. I uh, hope uh, hope everyone stays uh, stays well, stays stays uh, locked down. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And does doesn't get attacked by wombats. And uh, and check to make sure that your coconut milk has been made with zero monkey labour. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. We'll scratch you later. Peace out. Bye. Thanks for listening to Two Vets Talk Pets with Lewis and Robbie. To chat further about this week's episode or ask the guys any questions, search Two Vets Talk Pets on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram or send an email to twovetstalkpets at gmail.com. You can find Lewis on Twitter with the handle at vetbehaviorist and more importantly, as the two pet heroes return to their day job of saving animals' lives, be sure to thank them with a five-star review on iTunes. Every time you do, a small, cute animal will receive a cuddle.